This story happened about two years ago when I was 19 and my foster sister Kira was 16. For the sake of this story, it's important to know that I was female presenting and hadn't come out as trans yet, nor was I presenting myself in an overtly masculine style at the time. It was the summer before I was going to college and mostly lived with my mom and Kira except for every other weekend where I'd stay with my dad. Now summers where I am can get really hot and humid, so we had a habit of waiting to walk the dogs until 6 or 7 p.m because that's when it'd be cooler, but still light outside. On this particular evening, mom wasn't going to be home until late, though I don't remember the exact reason why. She's a woman that likes to stay busy and often participates in choirs, Bible studies, youth group events, classes, and more, so it wasn't uncommon for Kira and I to be left alone until 8 or 9 p.m. So it was up to me and Kira to walk the dogs by ourselves, unless we wanted our younger dog, Samson, to throw tantrums due to his pent-up energy. Even though we lived in the countryside and could have walked them down our street, Kira and I decided to drive out 20 minutes to a park instead. Why? I don't remember. It could have been anything from being bored walking our roads and not wanting to have to deal with blind curves and hills. Whatever the reason, at around 7.30 p.m., Kira and I harnessed our two dogs, packed them up into the car, and drove to the park. Let me quickly explain the layout of the park so that it's easier to understand why we got nervous halfway through our walk. This park isn't very big, but it's popular because of its loop. The entire park is surrounded by a mile-long looping road with its attractions like playgrounds, ponds, and a small country hall spaced about in the inner side of the loop. The outer side is just grass, trees, and one playground at its end. Thus, it's common and expected to pass people walking the loop at least two times if you're walking in the opposite direction, but not if you're walking in the same direction, obviously. Any cars on this road can only drive in one direction because it's a one-way road. At first, everything about this walk was normal. I parked the car, we clipped our dogs to leashes, and we started on the loop. Every so often, we'd stop so I could take pictures of our good boys, particularly of Kira trying to wrangle Samson, who pulls like his life depends on it and weaves around because he wants to smell everything. It was while I was taking one of these pictures that the first encounter happened. A man who looked to be in his 40s walked past us, walking in the same direction we were, up towards the playground on the outer side of the loop. He smiled at Kira, nodded, said hello or cute dogs or something like that, and kept walking. I honestly didn't think anything of it. We're at a park at a time of day where it's common to walk around due to the cooler temperature, and people where I am generally are friendly. Smiling and saying hi is pretty normal, no matter who says it. We smiled back, maybe said hi or thanks, depending on what he said, and that was that, or so we thought. This man passed us again only 10 minutes later, directly across from where we'd seen him previously. Just like he did before, he smiled and said hi. This time, Kira and I looked at each other once he was ahead of us and shared a, well that was weird, expression. Just 10 minutes earlier, he had passed us walking up towards the playground and subsequently broke off from the loop, and he'd been walking in the same direction as us. This time though, he cut in front of us, and he did it in a way where we had to stop to avoid running into him. Hell, he nearly touched Kira with how close he was walking. That was already weird in and of itself. The other weird part was him cutting past us in the opposite direction. The only way he could have done that was if he'd cut across the inside of the loop, since it would have been close to impossible to pass us at a certain point from the other direction if he decided to walk the opposite way of the loop than us. It came off almost like he wanted to walk by us again, but just like before, Kira and I brushed this weirdness off. This guy could have been enjoying a rambling stroll and doing his own thing for all we knew. Besides, we had two reasonably sized dogs with us who'd mess with us. Not even five minutes later, this same man passed us again, once again cutting so close past us that he nearly brushed shoulders with Kira. Again, he smiled and said hi before walking off. This was officially the moment I decided we needed to leave. Sure, it's normal to pass a person at least two times walking this loop if you're going in opposite directions, but doing so takes a while. 
you have to at least get to the parallel spot on the loop from where your paths first intersected to see each other again. Both the time between running into the guy and the location we passed each other didn't match up in a way that didn't look suspicious. Plus, I really wasn't a fan of how he cut across us. The first time, he passed us like a normal person walking faster than us would, albeit a little close. The second time, he cut in front of us from the opposite direction instead of walking around us, to the point we had to stop to avoid running into him. This third time, he walked up behind us then did this weird directionally slant walk to cross the street and go in the opposite direction, cutting us off again. I told Kira to hustle so we could get to our car and get out instead of doing a second loop. So that's what we did. When we were almost to our car, we noticed the car creeping along behind us. We pulled to the side and stopped to let it pass, but for a second, it stopped too. We figured he was getting ready to park, so we started walking again. The car started creeping along behind us soon after we did, so we stopped again, and the car stopped with us. That's when Kira got nervous. We hadn't seen the middle-aged guy since the third cutoff, so we figured I had overthought the whole thing. But here we were with this tinted windowed car acting weird as hell. Was it the same guy back with his car? A different guy? We couldn't tell. Before anything could happen though, another car idled up to the one next to us, and whoever it was sped up to the expected five miles per hour. We got to our car pretty fast after that and practically picked up the dogs to get them inside of it. We got in and got out of there. My mistake, however, was neglecting my rear view mirror and the well-advised rule not to drive straight home if you're worried a stranger's taking too much interest in you. I was anxious, dumb, and primarily concerned with getting home where we could be safe, because home is safe, right? Nothing bad is supposed to happen to you there, right? I think we got home around 8-something. The sun had finally disappeared behind the horizon, but it wasn't fully dark yet, just that dusty purple color the sky gets before it finally accepts that it's nighttime. Mom wasn't home yet, so we got the dog some water, locked the doors, ate a late dinner, and chilled in the living room, talking about things that didn't really matter. It was almost 9.30 when the scariest part of this whole ordeal happened. There Kira and I were, sitting on different couches, talking about something or other when we noticed the ceiling briefly lit up over where Kira was sitting. An important note here is that Kira was sitting on a small couch with her back to a window that faces the front of the house, while I was on a couch on the opposite wall where I could see a sliver of the front porch. Due to our long, slightly curvy driveway, it's common to see headlights stream through that window, light up the ceiling, fade, then intensify. It means someone's just come home. So when that ceiling above Kira lit up, we thought nothing of it, assuming mom was finally coming back from wherever she went that night, and we didn't take any notice of the light skipping the final arc of someone pulling all the way up the driveway either. We also didn't pay any mind to how long it was taking mom to come inside. Mom has a habit of pulling in and then checking her phone for god knows how long before coming inside. After a couple of minutes, I noticed the small motion sensor light on the table from the porch light up. Again, I could only see a sliver of space based on my position and the curtains. Basically, I could see a smidge of the table and the rails bordering our porch, but not its stairs or anything approaching the door depending on how they approached it. I wasn't paying much attention either because I assumed it was my mom. Right after the light went off, we both heard the storm door open, but we didn't hear anyone pressing the code keys of our lock or jiggling the door handle. The moment the storm door creaked open, our two dogs jumped up and ran to the door, barking like mad. Our golden greyhound mix, Calvin, has a deep scary bark which contradicts his adorable appearance. Samson, our dumb goofball son, who is incapable of hurting a fly but a big boy, jumps up on his hind legs and scrambles to find perches on one of the small windows in a desperate attempt to see who's outside. Immediately, the storm door slammed shut and we heard heavy footsteps on the cement of our porch. Calvin started going nuts and jumped up on Kira's couch, standing on its back instead of the cushions to look out the window. Samson ran out of the room and went out the doggy door that leads to the back porch, which has a ramp going down into a fenced off portion of our yard. I couldn't move 
I'd never understood really what it meant when people described their limbs turning to lead until that moment. It felt like I didn't have limbs, really, like moving wasn't an option. If I moved, I might glimpse something or someone through the windows. The person could see me running through the house, freaking out, and decide to come after us after all. So I sat there, my mind steadily going blank as my heart sped up and limbs refused to move. In the game of fight, flight, or freeze, I'm the freezer. Kira, on the other hand, is a fighter. She spins around and looks out the window, but can't see anything because, besides the motion light on the porch, it's too dark. So naturally she gets up, grabs a stray dog toy, which just so happens to be a tug-of-war rope with a ball on one end, and opens the door. I tell her, very calmly, to shut the door and stay inside. She ignored me and stepped out onto the porch. She comes back inside after not seeing anything, but to my utter disbelief, she disappears to the kitchen, comes back with a knife, and goes outside again. This time, she's gone for a handful of seconds before running back inside and slamming the door shut. Breathless, she tells me she went out a bit into the yard and saw the outline of a man by the rundown dog kennel we don't use anymore. When she saw him and froze, he moved. This time, she listened to me when I told her to come in and lock the door. I managed to call mom despite my head being empty and my limbs being lead, and she convinced me to get up, make sure all the doors are locked, including the basement, and making sure the dogs were inside. I ended up making Kira go into the fenced-up section to drag Samson back inside because I couldn't get my legs to move after thinking about doing it myself. Cowardly, I know. After mom got home and we looked around, finding nothing, we called the non-emergency number of the police, not wanting to bother them in case we were overreacting. Two cops came by and walked around our yard and found nothing. We got the sense they didn't believe us, but instead saw us as two overexcited girls with exaggerated imaginations. Still, they humored us and told us, after we told them about the park, that if we think anyone might be following us or if someone's acting a little too creepy, not to drive straight home and to check if anyone's following us. Then they left. To this day, I'm pretty sure the only people who believe someone with malicious intent came to our home in hopes of finding two teenage girls is Kira and me. Whether it was the guy from the park, we're not sure. It's too coincidental, isn't it, that the day we have multiple encounters with this guy who goes out of his way to get close to us and a car inch alongside us. We also have an almost intruder encounter. Plus, there were too many details that didn't add up to us having an overly excited imagination. We both saw headlights. The motion detector on the porch turned on. The storm door opened and stayed open until Samson jumped up to look out the door's window. We heard footsteps. Kira saw someone. And the dogs don't run up to the door like that and bark their heads off if no one's there. I don't know if whoever was at our house was the same guy that ran into us at the park. If it was, I don't know if the reason he cut in front of us as close as he did was to test how our dogs would react to him and them not caring at all, or the first time wagging their tails convinced him that they weren't a threat. I don't know if he was in the car that inched behind us and stopped when we stopped. I don't know what would have happened if Calvin didn't have a scary manic bark, or if Samson wasn't tall enough to look out the high windows on the door. I don't know much of anything. What I do know is this. If you're out and about, minding your own business, and a stranger is taking a lot of notice of you, following you, frequently running into you, or whatever, trust your gut. Don't drive or walk straight home. Meander, get to a public scene, and just take your time. Pay attention to your surroundings. You never know who's watching you. I was 20, living alone on the ground floor of an apartment building. My living room windows faced the small parking lot for the building which wasn't gated. I'd stay up late, watching TV or playing games almost every night. It was winter when I first moved in, so I'd have the blinds down at night to help keep the cold air out. Summer came and there was no AC in the apartment, so I'd open the windows and blinds at night for cool air. One night I'm lying on the couch watching TV when I get that feeling of being watched. I look over at the window and a man had his hands and face pressed against the screen, merely three feet from where I was lying, just watching me. I let out a blood-curdling scream and he did not even blink. 
Terrified, I jumped up, grabbed the phone, and screamed that I was calling the cops. He still just stood there, completely motionless and dead-eyed. At that point, I yelled that I'm getting the neighbor and started walking towards the door, and he finally took off. I locked the window and stayed up all night, completely on edge. My boyfriend at the time came over and stayed for a full week. He made sure to leave the blinds open and sat at the edge of the couch closest to the window to make it known I wasn't alone. The creeper didn't show up again, so eventually I got comfortable thinking it was an isolated incident of some rando wandering around the parking lot to break into cars. Maybe another three weeks after that, I get home late from waiting tables and park in the lot. I get changed, grab a snack, and head to the living room to play games. I start to raise the blinds to open the windows and let in cool air, and the creeper is standing right there with his face pressed against the screen. He was not standing in the parking lot when I pulled in as I parked right by my window. I can only assume he was waiting around the corner of the building, watching me come home and timing my movements. This time, I grabbed the phone and immediately called the cops. I was shaking, crying, completely hysterical. The creeper takes off. Cops come and say they'll have someone patrol the block when they can, and my boyfriend immediately comes over. He wants to stay with me until I can get out of there, so I start looking at different apartments. About three weeks later, I have an apartment lined up on a high floor in a doorman building, because at this point, that. My boyfriend had to go out of town for a few days, so I decided to go stay at my friend's place because I certainly wasn't going to be there alone. I'm at my friend's place for two nights, but wanted to run home and grab a few things I'd forgotten. She goes with me, for obvious reasons, and we go in the afternoon, not dark. We decide to hang out for a bit and play games together because it's daylight and there is activity around the building. No AC, so I hesitantly raise the blinds to get fresh air. I'm terrified opening them, then laugh to myself because I do it, and of course no one is there. I open the actual window and see two large holes cut into the screen right above the latches you push in to lift it. They were definitely not there two days ago. My blood ran entirely cold. The creeper knew my boyfriend was gone. He was watching and saw his car was gone. I'd left my car there as my friend picked me up, and we always left a light on in the living room to make the creeper think we were awake. So he saw my car, thought I was home, saw the light on, yet proceeded to cut holes into the screen to break in. I have no idea if he actually gained access, but seeing how bold he was terrified me. How long had he been watching me? learning my patterns, and getting gradually more aggressive with every interaction. I still sometimes get a chill when I raise my blinds, and it took a long time getting comfortable living in anything but a high-rise. Thanks again for the lifelong PTSD, Creeper. One day, when I was an elementary schooler, I think probably third or fourth grade, I was awoken by my mom in a rush. She had overslept, and since she always woke me up in the morning, this meant that I too overslept and now there was just no way I was going to be ready for school early enough to get on the school bus. If I remember correctly, school started at 8am and my bus picked me up at 7am, but it was already like 6.40 or something and I was still in my pajamas and hadn't even had breakfast yet. So mom decided that today we would just tell the bus driver to go on ahead and she would take me to school, which would give me plenty of time to get ready. So I'm sitting there at the dining room table eating breakfast, still in my pajamas and it's now about 6.50. We hear the bus pull up about 10 minutes earlier than usual. My mom peeks her head out the door into the foggy morning and she waves the bus on. She closes the door and comes back inside, but the bus doesn't pull away. There's a knock at the door, and Mom opens it up to find a man in a bus driver uniform. He explains that he is the substitute driver because the regular driver is called in sick. He says he knows he's a few minutes early since he wanted to get an early start on the route since he did not know it well. Mom explains to him that she was going to take me to school since we woke up late. He gets visibly upset and says that he can wait a few minutes since he's already running ahead of schedule. My mom insists that no, I won't be ready to go in a few minutes and tells him to go on ahead. He seemed angry about this, but turned around and got back in the bus and left. I return to eating my breakfast and still don't have my school clothes on at this point, but at 7am sharp, another bus pulls up to my house. Mom thinks this is weird and goes outside to talk to them. She comes back inside looking terrified, but doesn't really say anything about it and tells me to finish getting ready for school. At the time, I didn't know what happened, 
but my mom would end up telling me a few years later. When she went to the second bus, she found that it was being driven by my regular bus driver and it was full of the other kids that are usually on the route. The other bus was empty, by the way. Mom asked the driver about the substitute driver and about him calling in sick. He says that he never called in sick and that there should be no substitute driver on his route. The driver immediately called dispatch in a panic and told my mom to go inside and call the police and report this incident. There was absolutely no one driving my driver's route that day. Whoever this was was most likely a kidnapper who had targeted me. I never heard anything about it again, not even if someone else had ended up being picked up by this mysterious fake bus driver, but chances are, had I gotten on that bus, I would never have made it to school or back home, and if mom hadn't overslept on that specific day, I would have been on that bus.